Hello and welcome to the fourth and final episode of A Feast of Zines from Bite Size Gaming. I'm still Troy, and I'm still your host for this series, where we feature creators that are taking part in Kickstarter's Zine Quest 3. We interviewed 13 creators all in one day to give them a chance to tell you, our dear listeners, about what they've put out there. If you don't know what Zine Quest is, well, that's what I'm here for. Creators get to launch a two-week project for a single-color, unbound, folded, stapled, or saddle-stitched RPG zine, and Kickstarter helps promote it. There are a lot of zines that have been launching all month long, so make sure you go check them out. As fellow creators, Bite Size Gaming wanted to let you know about all the great projects that are being offered this time. We couldn't interview all of them, so be sure to check out the rest of them while you're out there uh, backing the ones we did get to talk to. We've got four interviews for you this time, and first off the blocks is the duo of Beckett Warren and Todd Jakubison, I hope I pronounced that right, with Halflings in the Hive. Gerwin is a town filled with trans-dimensional bees, angry halflings, and blood cults, all fueled on psychedelic honey that you can drop into your D&D setting. The workbook aspect brings the town to life as you figure out whose crap is hitting whose fan. So here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another creator interview with Bite Size Gaming. Uh, tonight, I am joined uh, by my co-host, John Christian, and also by the illustrious Beckett and Todd from the Halflings and the Hive Kickstarter uh, coming to ZineQuest very, very soon. How are you fellas. fine folks doing? Good, good. How are you? We're doing great. Doing yeah, awesome. Pretty good. It's been a long day of <laughs> it's been a long day of interviews and uh we're we're still have a lot of energy for them. It's been a blast. Um so uh glad I don't know to what you're talking you about. Here. I'm refreshed, man. That's right. You're I'm coming I'm coming in hot. I'm good. That's right. <laughs> Hang on, sip of that mountain dew. It's good. I'm good. We're really excited to talk to you, uh, fellas. Your your project is kind of um, snuck around the sides of the community here. I know you guys had some uh, some uh, conflict, we'll say, with uh, getting your Kickstarter up and ready for preview. Um, but you had a YouTube video pre uh, like teaser trailer for it, and uh, I John and I were like, "Yep, this is this is awesome." As soon as this, uh, we need, we need, a, we need links. We need to see more. This yeah, I believe cool. that my initial response was metal as hell whenever I saw it. <laughs> so I was very pleased. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thank you. So uh, one, one thing that we like to do at the beginning of every episode is we like to get to know uh, each of you a little bit uh, before we dive into the product too much. Uh, and the question we use to do that is this. Um, is there anything that we would know either one of you from any pro products that you've created in the past, or is this your first project to kind of see the light of day? Um, I did uh, an adventure called Gimme Shelter for a games uh, system called Crawl Space. Okay. Um, but I think like, you know, five people have probably bought that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gimme Shelter. And, uh, I uh, a few years ago I was doing um, like a you know, D and D blog, but I fell off of doing that. That was um, lies I love to believe, but it hasn't been updated 
in five years or whatever. I ran, I also run Weird Realms, which was like a brick and mortar game store in Cleveland. Oh, cool. Um, but that's uh, temporarily uh, COVID closed. So mm-hmm. now I'm now I'm doing stuff again besides like you know operating that. <laughs> awesome and how about you todd um so this is really my first like rpg project um i've been messing around with uh comics since like 2009 doing like comic strips for um alt weeklies um and then i did a couple of board games in the last three or four years um pests and flip and finds diner from um spontaneously combustible games Okay. Um, and then this summer, I I just started a um, a publishing company called Timepiece Press, which is based out here in Cleveland. Um, Sweet. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and that's doing all ages comics primarily, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Russell, um, the next thing that we'd like to ask guys is. Uh, this uh, this project is pretty gonzo on the surface. It looks, I love it. The, I love the the art style is fantastic. Um, it's like as soon as I saw the video, I'm like, I we've got to get these guys on the show <laughs> and talk to them about where where the hell this came from. First off, but before we get there, I think that where we need to kind of start out is is pitch it to us to pitch it to the people that are out there that are listening and and watching at home. Uh, tell us about the project if if you don't mind. Um, do you want to go or you want me to, Todd? Um, you can take it away. So, um, yeah, you can fill in what I leave out. Um, it's a system agnostic, uh, workbook, uh, like adventure workbook. Um, so it's, it's made to be written in, um, and track your adventure as you're running it so you know all these different npc tables then there's also like worksheets to then fill in so you remember you know this you know the uh you know the baker is you know mad that you know his husband has been fucking and is mad at the pcs because they came into his shop and were demanding magical healing bread that he never even heard of um and then also he's involved with um you know a blood cult and he's looking to you know kill two birds with one stone by you know sacrificing the pcs to the blood god and getting rid of these irritating people that you know ruined his day when it was already kind of shitty to begin with um and uh and then kind of the way it, it functions is so there are like four different, you know, like a lot of sandbox kind of things, you know, it's faction driven. So there's like four different factions. Um, and so as, and it kind of takes as a given that, you know, most groups, whenever they arrive at a, a settlement, you know, they may be going there for a very specific, well-crafted, plot reason but once they get there they just burn the place down you know even even if it was like the best of intentions and you know it's not like murder hobo it's just like well how was i supposed to know that 
that would happen where it's like well so that's kind of taken you know we're we're you know i yeah the parts that i wrote i took from like this experience of you know npcs being you know kind of like adversarial just because the pc if you play an npc correctly or with verisimilitude i guess i should say not correctly but like if if the if the way PCs act towards NPCs was how anyone talked to you, you would tell them to like <laughs> fuck off, get the fuck out of your town. I never <laughs> want to see your face again, you know. Um, so then there's like a track for each faction as its members get killed, and because then there's also you know some background conflict within the village. So even if you do have some like amazing you know pacifist group where they're like no let's try and help these people the inter interfaction violence will you know make things kind of then kick off um, spill over like a like an episode of mr bean where they'll right, just they'll yeah. just they'll just fall into some kind of haphazard wily coyote danger that's awesome so um yeah so it's like you know like when you know uh, yeah, so they're like, you know, when a certain number of, you know, humans are killed, they'll start, you know, raising, you know, additional watches. But then, like, as more members of the blood culture killed, they just start, you know, being really sloppy with their killing because, you know, the, the return of the blood guy must be nigh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the the juxtaposition of like honey and blood kind of commingled. It's this really great visual. This really great like it tells you a lot about what the adventure is going to be up to right from the start. Um, and uh, to me, that like just two things that you would never put together. Now we get to put together, um, and in a fun way. And it just makes uh, it all the grosser. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so along those lines, and we'll start with you, Todd, on this one. What's something in this zine, uh, when it releases, when you get to ship it to people, what is a little something, a little nugget that you're like, I can't wait till they read or see this? And and uh, that's kind of your oh. little... Yeah. Um, I'm curious how people will play with the, uh, the cults and the different factions for sure, because like one of them is kind of like a prim and proper sort of um, faction and the other ones are just bumbling idiots, it seems like. <laughs> but I mean, it depends on, I guess, how the DM's going to play them. But um, yeah, I'd like to see like how people handle that, but also just like what kind of stories they craft and what they come up with just in that environment. Hmm. Hmm. Actually, that... Kind of, I think that's one of the things that we did well because, I mean, I think you're thinking that the honey cult is the prim and proper, whereas the blood cult or the bumbling is. So in my yeah. mind, you know, the the honey cult because the honey, um, the the honey has like psychoactive effects, and you know it causes euphoria until you then be just become like a drooling, you know, um, you know nearly comatose you know catatonic you know like in bliss you know so like and then the blood cult to me were just like vicious 
um, like just down to business killers. And okay. this, and so like, and then when we've played in it, we've also played it, not just run it. Um, it's always, it always just goes a little different. So like, I think we've created like a really nice skeleton that then anybody, well, you know, you bring your own weird, you know, idiosyncr idiosyncrasies that then that's what you read into these, um, you know, these these characters and factions well let me ask you this then if that's the case is there anything that when you were writing it you said to yourself you like you had to pull back like no no that's going too far was there anything you were like i could have thrown this in anything that was ended up on like the cutting room floor or anything like that where damn it man that would have been great but then it's not then it's not suitable for public consumption kind of stuff um i mean i wouldn't want you know my my two-year-old to <laughs> to play in this <laughs> uh, why not man <laughs> um blood and honey well because i'm trying to teach him not to hit <laughs> uh, i've got a four-year-old hey, no no yeah. hitting oh, yeah but yeah like when we were coming and up with this it also seemed I like need to, the i need to here. watch saying shit in front of him because now he stopped saying it but <laughs> it was his like first like not mama da da word and so now I'm on, on shit patrol and I can't say it near The other shit patrol. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll be it in the like shit house. When we were coming up with like the far out stuff, like the really like I don't know, disgusting stuff, like we should probably cut this. Like it seemed like we just wanted to put it in there all the more because mm. you know it, that's more fun that way. And yeah. and like I think we you know, we more imply more than you know, I don't think we have anything in there like that's like explicit like, you know, explicitly graphic. It's more of just like what these prompts lead you to kind of then um, kind of infer. Really. Mm -hmm. And actually, what we did leave out, we left out, and this is going to be a, like a stretch goal. We had this whole cosmology for the bee cult. Oh, um, wow. And just That's like, cool. you know, like, like dogma and philosophy, and we just didn't do anything with that. <laughs> but so we oh, might, man. we might, um, you know, that might make it in as a, like a DCC patron supplement. Yeah. You hear that, people? Get out there. Get out there, and it's time, it's time to hit those stretch goals. That's something that the world needs to see. I need to see this cosmology of the bee cult. It's in my life. It's a lot of fun. That kind of leads me into uh, another question that we have. Um, we like to know what sets this project apart from others of similar in the same systems and, you know, adventures or whatnot. But, you know, and, and we already have this uh, this great pitch right from the start of of this of this honey cult mixed with this blood cult and halflings thrown in which are there's never enough adventures with halflings it seems uh, as the center focus so there's already a lot of things going for it there and i like how you say someone uh that when you started looking at the things that maybe you should cut uh 
those became the things that you said, well, maybe we should keep these in, right? Um, lean into it. Lean into them, absolutely. Um, to me, that tells me that I'm going to get uh, a product that is an original experience. Um, that's not going to be like anything else that's on my shelf. So is there anything else that you would say like really set is going to set your product apart from Adventure B? Um, well, I think... No pun intended. Making it, making the whole thing to be written in, um, I think is something that I'd like to see more of. Like there's a fantastic zine that I don't think um, is being made anymore called uh, R&D by uh, Chris Stieha. I think Stieha, I don't know. I'm probably butchering his name. I'm sorry, Chris. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was kind of like an adventure Mad Libs. where it would just be kind of like these different sigils and then you would you would look at these weird little kind of like um uh what are the oh like a rory story cube if you know those Mm -hmm. um things Mm -hmm. so so like that kind of just like primitive graphic you know a few of those and then you would just like fill in what you know so it'd be like rumor table and then would have like this list of like weird little sigils and then you would fill in the rumor table by looking at the sigils and so like first you would kind of play it as yourself um as like a mad lib-ish kind of thing and then you would you know run someone through it um and that's the only thing and then also i think fever swamp and fronds of benevolence um two melsonian arts council books um those have like tracks where you're ticking things off in the book but like those are really like nice hardcover books and it makes it harder to you know uh, bring yourself to <laughs> marking them up you know oh yeah um whereas well, so let me, I think, let me like, ask you this if it's if it's if you've got if it's this something that's like you it's you can scribble knots it right you scribble into it. You can write in the edges and in the margins and things like that. This is something that's almost like a an heirloom item that a that a new player could possibly grab hold of, look at ten, fifteen years down the line, and go, "That was me. I did that thing. I put all this work into it, and now I can see it. And it's like an artifact that they carry on with them." So let me ask you this: Is that was that the intent? Is this kind? What of, is this the like new player, veteran player? Who does this best suit, or is Actually, it kind of like? Yeah. That's fine. I didn't even think of that because one, like, uh, so, you know, I met, well, I first met Todd when he came to my shop for the Pests board game Kickstarter party um, that we were, that, yeah, we were doing at my shop. And uh, then he started coming for a regular, like, weekly Dungeon Crawl Classics game. And a thing I've started doing in all my games is having just, like, a little book that all the players can draw in, write notes in. And so it kind of becomes this, like, collective artifact of play. And um, yeah. and Todd was just, like, drawing, like, great shit in there. And uh, um, that's, you know, because, I mean, it's, like, it's one thing, like, you know, oh, he's the guy who did the art in that board game, you know, cool. It, that's, you know, I know enough people who draw well that it's not like, oh, yeah, I want to do something with them. Um, but then, like, then, like, just some of, here, let me, here, I'm gonna, Todd, take over, I'm gonna go, I, I know where the book is, I'm gonna go show some of your drawings, and I think that will, um, so yeah, it's an artifact, and, like, I only started doing this kind of, like, 
drawing, like I initially started doing it where I would put clues in for the PCs or, you know, the players. And, um, but then also it was like, a, it was just supposed to be their book to, you know, record campaign right notes. Mm -hmm. And right. then I, I would put like, you know, I'd be like, oh, cool, I'll sneak this in here. And no one gave a shit about anything I put in there. <laughs> but, like, the stuff they were drawing, like, you know, like, oh, I want that Tina Turner chainmail bodysuit, like, you know, and then, like, just, like, a shitty drawing of, you know, a Tina Turner chainmail dress was awesome. Whereas then, like, my little clues, no one, like, they'd look and be like, what is that? That's stupid. And, you I mean, know. That's, that's kind of what, that's what it makes up from whenever I was a kid in high school playing D&D &D or playing any of those games. Like, in my book, I was the idiot in my that would actually draw in my books. Because I wasn't thinking about somebody buying it as a keepsake item or some nostalgia piece or something like that 20, 30 years into the future. It was mine. And I could write whatever I want to, scribble in there, and I would draw lightning bolts and like the the proto the prototypical heavy metal s that every kid <laughs> learns how to draw whenever they're a kid you know that kind of crap was everything oh, yeah. in there so like i love that idea of like that artifact piece that you can go and you can put in a shoebox dig it out from underneath your bed sometime and and uh and take a look at it again so let me ask you this too before we before we wrap up um this makes me interested in the next thing right do you guys have any plans on like a sequel to this or do you want to expand on it? Of course, it's going to depend on how, you know, how the Kickstarter goes. But I mean, you guys have got this is something really good here. Do you guys have like lightning in a bottle type ideas that are, that are coming up next? We've been we've been talking about a couple of things um, already. Um, one is another sort of um, workbook type of thing in which um, there's a bunch of towers um, and you just generate um, for each floor that you go onto and each tower is like its own sort of genre or theme or whatever. Um, mm. whether it's like a living being that you're crawling through or just some like far out space tower or something like that. That's cool. Or um, even just generic jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, right on. and, Very uh, cool. and then we were talking about like this, um, train horror sort of, uh, adventure where like riders are picked up by like this haunted train um, so that's been yeah, fun that's to cool. like be daydreaming about and yeah right kind of like Snowpiercer where you have to like make your way mm -hmm. to the front for whatever reason yeah I like that um, that's cool um, but yeah a lot of like I think the stuff that we come up with that's good is the stuff that we come up with because we needed it in play yeah. um, and like yeah this totally um, you know it the germs of the idea came about while I was still running the game, and then I had to step back, and Todd took over. And then, like, so then, like, you know, like, if I'd finish up with shop stuff, then I'd come down and sit down, and then I'd be like, wait, what, maybe we can do this. And so, um, and then that's kind of how, like, we uh, collaboratively created that, this thing. So, like, I think whatever... Like I haven't, I haven't been running any game. I've, you know, I've got a two-year-old and a three-month-old, so I haven't been running anything the last four months. Um, You've been running. Yeah. You've been uh, running. <laughs> You've been running. But yeah, not not, not running, not running any games. You know, running, running for my life. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> running, uh, running from one room to the next, cleaning up a mess, <laughs> changing a diaper. I've, I've been there. And, um, <laughs> but so yeah, I think. Uh, you know, we'll need to, and, but the tower idea, it came about from, you know, 
from like you know PCs getting captured, and then it's like ah like so I tried to find like you know it's like ah maybe I can find just some adventure to run, and it's like there isn't like sometimes you just like so a thing I think you know it like a thing that I I like to do in my work is to like make it you know mine but also somewhat generic you know like halflings are you know the bee shit I guess isn't generic but halflings are kind of generic <laughs> and like you know to make it like easy to drop in um to like whatever game because like you know some things that are like really cool and like thematic it's like well yeah, unless it's like kind of like an enclosed place where then it's like okay, I can drop that. Yeah, but like yeah, if you if want it's, if, if you if want somebody like, to convert it, so you're talking about like you can drop it into different settings and stuff like that. If you need somebody to drop it into Lord of the Rings for Hobbits, you need to talk to Zach. Zach's your guy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but like, like I mean, you can just put into like whatever you know, whatever game you're running. Yeah, I mean, you could even. Like I like with just a tiny little bit of, you know, um, filing, you could run this as like a sci-fi adventure. Mm, yep. Um, I see that. And so, like, I I think, you know, I don't know. I, I forget. I'm, now I'm thinking about how how the fuck did I get to here? <laughs> what, what am I talking about? <laughs> well, hey, uh, we. Uh... We are excited about Halflings in the Hive. I, I don't know anything more to say about that other than, um, I, I guess maybe we'll shoot it over to Todd here. Todd, when are we? When are you launching uh, this Kickstarter? Do you have a date in mind? Um, the 16th? Right um, so, yeah, in yeah, about, a, about a week. Awesome. Well, uh, we will keep everyone notified. Uh, we've been sharing your link out uh, during this uh, live stream, and we appreciate you guys coming on. Um, and we'll be sure to let all our followers know and everybody uh, who's listening as soon as you launch on the 16th. Um, Halflings in the Hive promises to be one of the most uh, wonderfully bizarre adventures uh, on Zine Quest this year, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah. Uh, thank you right i appreciate that <laughs> uh todd um your art is amazing it looks it looks it, <laughs> it looks like yeah, that i want to have on my wall um and beckett <laughs> i'm excited to get to dig into your your story of the cults um guys thanks so much for hopping on and uh we uh, will look forward to seeing more of your work in the future for sure thanks, thanks for having us yeah take care yeah. all right we'll see you guys on twitch in a bit so cool. All right, Pooh, get you some funky honey from the hive. Next is a hot time in the old tomb tonight with Michael Harmon and Billman of Yogdu Games talking with us about Tomb of Immolation. This is a sweet 5E and OSR, OSR style adventure of Undeath and Necromancers. This one is giving me some serious uh, nostalgia pains, I gotta say. And talking with Mike and Bill Mann was pretty cool. Looking forward to getting my hands on this one. Hey everybody, we are back with another interview today. Uh, it is me, Troy, and uh, my co-host is John over there. You remember John? Hey, hey. And hey, hey. Uh, we've got Mike and Bill uh, hey. who are joining us. Hello. Welcome, gentlemen. They they're here to talk to us about Tomb of Immolation. 
to get this thing started, uh, I want to ask, I want to ask you guys both, um, is this your first project or have you guys created other things, um, besides a tomb out there that people might have seen your work before? We, so, uh, Bill, I'll let you go, Mike. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Project Together, we actually did a one-page dungeon over the summer, uh, which was the mini version of Tomb of Immolation. Oh, and okay. uh, so we decided to expand it into a full adventure zine for Zine Quest 3. Right. That's awesome. Very cool. So, um, yeah, so the that was our first project that we had done together. Although Mike, uh, he's been in the industry a while and has helped out, I think, on other projects. Oh, oh really? Like, like uh, name drop, name drop. For right. Us. Uh, I uh, my first gig was with Steve Jackson Games. I did a lot of illustrations for the Anomine, uh RPG. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the Angels and Demons thing, and. Uh, Actually took a break from the industry a while. Um, recently, I've done uh, work for Tiny D6, the Micronomicon that's uh, going to be coming out soon. Okay. And uh, did a few things for uh, Neon Lords of the Toxic Wasteland. I'm doing some illustrations for the Tales from the Smoking Worm DCC zine. Uh Anyway, that's kind of the main stuff going on right now. Very cool. Uh, that's awesome. Just, one of our previous guests just had talked about the uh, the the other the. Well, you just mentioned it, and I lost it. The smoking <laughs> worm. No, the one one right before ne- that. Neon Lords of the Toxic the Neon Lords, Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Brian and his game. Uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, d- definitely cool. Uh, yeah, good fun stuff. Really fun stuff. You check that out. Well, so let me ask you this, guys. I've I've taken a look at this. Uh, and by the way, as with a lot of different products that are out there and projects that are out there, a lot of the time the art is the first thing that kind of grabs your attention and kind of draws you in to get to trying to find out a little bit more. It's kind of it, it whets your appetite to know more about the about the product. Which it's absolutely gorgeous. I love that. I love Thanks. your art style. I love yeah, the way that your the coloring that you the way that you chosen to color things with the like the limited number of colors that you're you're kind of given with the the zine material. It's really really good. Really provocative. Um, let me ask you this though. So I've seen it. And I've read through it. and I know what this is. But for those out there at uh, at home, I think it's best for the creators to tell us more about it. So if you guys wouldn't mind, would you pitch the product for us and tell us a little bit about it and uh, and uh, where it all came from. Yeah, uh, I'll start out just briefly how it started, and then I'll let Bill give some uh, more detailed info. Um, uh, Like I said, it kind of originally started as a one-page dungeon over the summer. Uh, Basically, it started, I had a concept of the tomb, uh, a prison tomb in a volcano, Um, and I drew the map first. And then I went to Bill, and uh, I had a basic idea of what I wanted in the rooms and the basic story. But then uh, Bill, I said, hey, will you write the text for me? And so he went with that. He put text to it, uh, made it the text look really nice. And, uh, and then he 
he uh, added a lot of additional details and had some really cool ideas of of his own that he added to the basic tomb. And uh, fast forward to Zine Quest Three, I said, "Hey, let's expand this for Zine Quest Three into a full zine." And uh, so that's kind of where we went. Uh, Bill, do you have any additional details you want to add to that? Yeah, so uh, when Mike uh, gave me the map and he gave me the pitch of what he wanted out of it, um, because we were doing the one-page dungeon, it was important to me that every room uh, sort of stood out and and had a full uh, encounter or description or puzzle or trap or something, so that every room uh in this thing was something interesting and different to do so so uh so i set about doing that and then uh as we evolved and and when zine quest came out um uh, we decided to go ahead and do it as 5e and osr at the same time um oh, cool. we even debated adding a few others as well uh mark bork uh for example um and even Tiny D6, we thought about that. Um, we decided to go with 5e and OSR. Those are sort of our, you know, nice, nice warm blanket. We're oh, good yeah. with that. Um, we know those systems pretty well, so we felt like we should stick with those. Uh, and then as it's grown, uh, I mean, it's now sitting, we just got the PDF from Muv, uh, the guy who is putting it all together. Um, and it sits at 75 pages right now. So we've oh, gone wow. a little overboard with yeah. it, but uh, right. it's, that is, that it's is a, a fat hefty zine. piece of content. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is. It's that is a fat zine. Yeah. That's a fat it is zine. Thick. Right. It's a thick boy. It's big. Yeah. But it does. This big boy does, it does include uh, five pre-gens for both systems, the 5E oh, right and on. the OSR. It also includes the uh, monsters, unique monsters for both systems as well. Nice. Plus all of the trap descriptions and the puzzle descriptions are modified for each of those systems. So you can basically play it as 5e or OSR um, and you should have a, uh, a good time and, and not have any lacking content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel there's like a, a like a heavy metal magazine feel. I've, I've, I found like yeah. we got the last group that we talked to, there's like this, there's almost like a renaissance or like a, a new renaissance of like this really pro- provocative inking. Like it's got this really old school feel and old school in the best possible way or like the grit. And it's just, it evokes really nostalgic feelings for me in particular, right? Just going back to the the uh, the yesteryear of like like you said OSR with the uh, the old school Renaissance, right? So um, it's uh, it's even with the isometric map, right? To your point, you're talking oh, about yeah. the map. So I was like isometric map, like oh my god, yes! Like so, I'm super <laughs> excited to get my hands on this thing. Uh, little, little if, for nothing else. There. Oh man, it's fantastic! Oh, I, I love it. I love it. So okay, it's really cool so, that you guys you guys decided to do the the five uh, e and and OSR, and that's what you kind of pivoted off of. Go ahead, Troy. Uh, I was gonna say. So, what what's what's the one nugget in this project that you're both? It could be it could be different nuggets if you want. But what's the one nugget that's just like, oh, I can't wait for for the players or the GM to come across this puppy. What 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 are you so excited that you want people to see? Bill, do you want to start or do you want me to? Go ahead, Bill. Me first. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, room three uh, in in this thing is uh, there's right. a a uh, encounter yeah. with, with a being <laughs> called Nar- Nardalex. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he. He presents quite the role-playing challenge, I think, uh, because it can, we have playtested this every time that room goes differently. Every time, uh, it's it's quite uh, a a challenge for the DM, but I think most DMs will will enjoy it, especially the the OSR side. I think they'll they'll uh, really dig it. It's very old school, uh, in my opinion. Mike, what about yeah, you? I love that. Yeah, uh, just to comment first in the old school OSR and 5e, uh, yeah, it, it has an old school feel. It works great with the OSR. We specifically went with swords and wizardry stats, uh, okay. but pretty compatible with any OR, BX, or whatever. They're all pretty similar or very yeah. compatible with each other. Uh, yeah. But the 5e, I think it offers... Uh, people from 5e that do want that old school feel or grittier uh, mm-hmm. style or, you know, like you said, a little bit metal. So, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it works out uh, for both. But we're definitely coming from we've played uh, both games, all editions. But, yeah, it's definitely coming from that old school feel because uh, uh, Bill and I are old school. I, <laughs> and yeah, all I'm the on. others involved, yeah. You're, I'm, I'm you're there good with company. you. I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. Well, well, and what's interesting about that, to your point, right, is that either some somewhere along the line, whether it's old schoolers or it's the new school crowd, it resonated, right? And you guys are doing really, really, really well out there right now. You know, you've yeah. – uh, yeah, your pledges look really fantastic. You've got a lot of backers that are coming on. You've got you kind of have a groundswell that you're you're riding at this point. Let me ask you this though: one of the things that I looked at in here that I was kind of like, oh man, whenever I when I look at stuff, I want to see well, what if I'm really really excited or passionate about a project, how can I contribute and help out the most, right? Mm-hmm. Or is there something else that I could snag, right? I didn't see any uh, any uh, um, uh, uh, Kickstarter. Um, help me, Troy. Stretch goals. Um, Stretch goals, thank you. Uh, any stretch goals in there? Did you guys have any ideas or you kind of waiting to release those? Or um, uh, is that something you thought uh, well, about? Well, actually, yeah. Initially, we said it's a 14-day quick thing. No stretch goals. Uh, but um, but I will say a, a lot of the things we were thinking about when we were talking about stretch goals, we kind of put in from the start. Uh, okay. When... Originally, when we started thinking, we were thinking, hey, this is going to be like maybe 24 pages or something. <laughs> and so right. now it's like with, with the extra stuff we've added to it, uh, you know, the adventure is probably like around 40 pages or half of that 75. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest has to do with the extra uh, uh pre-gens and the, and the bestiary uh, and mag- unique magic items and stuff right. like that. Uh, but anyway, so originally we were going to have stuff like that as stretch goals, also having a nice soft-touch laminate cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were talking originally about that stretch goals. So we ended up just like adding that all at the start. Um, 
And then that, needs also, to be on, that needs to be on on the Kickstarter page, like stretch goals already included. Yeah, as, uh, as part you're of the right. You're right. <laughs> I, true. I'd actually been thinking about that, looking at all the other people adding stretch goals and stuff. Well, and, uh, and, but just, it makes sense, right? You've got this is really dense, so it, I'm yeah. not. I'm not shocked, right? That you guys ended up yeah. making that decision. Now that yeah, you I mentioned was, it. I was more curious. It's like it's a 75 yeah. page zine. What stretch goals could there have been? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. But yeah, and yeah. we Impressive. and we kind of kept the prize yeah, set. We... Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Right. right. Okay. Oh, you're muted, Bill. Oh no, you're not. Yeah, That's, I was going to say mind. we debated. Oh, there this you go. Uh, because this is our first project together, so we really weren't quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, man. You guys are, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, you guys are knocking it out of the park, though. I mean, uh, yeah, thanks. So, we, uh, we also added, we were thinking about like adding the, uh, the hardcover as a stretch goal. Um, but we just added that in. Uh, we still have the zine and everything, and that's, you know, the big feature of it. Uh, but honestly, we just added the hardcover option because we wanted a hardcover. <laughs> so we were like, and it, since it ballooned up to the 75 pages, where it's like, why not also give uh, everyone that option also? Um, although I have to say, now that we're like uh, around, around the 4,000 mark, uh, you know, uh, we totally haven't discussed this now, but now I'm thinking we ought to discuss maybe adding some stretch goals now that uh, we've kind of reached this area. Well, I mean, so, look, you guys know your project better than anybody else. Yeah. So far be it from me to like to come in yeah. and, and Monday morning quarterback it. It does yeah. make a lot of sense though. Now that you've mentioned it, this thing is already really, really dense. You're at 75 yeah, it, pages. It you've got a ton of crap in there. I mean, it's like you're right. Yeah. That makes sense, right? You don't want to, and you don't want to stretch yourself too far. To where you yeah. kind of like you you build up yeah. an expectation that you can then can't deliver. So that, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah, and if we do add anything, yeah, we definitely. That was our first also thought being a fourteen project, and the fact that we're we're all we're done with the writing and and the art. Uh, we're like, we actually just kind of got our first uh, kind of finish the initial layout we have to go back and do a few tweaks but like we're almost done with everything so we want to be released as soon as possible so if we do have any if we do add stretch goals at all uh we don't want to do anything that's going to delay the project right. well let me ask you this then if you guys are yeah. that close to the if the finish line with this and you've got you've got the time to start thinking about the next thing do you guys have anything on the horizon something that you're working on next or that you're excited about with this <laughs> or with something else uh, yes, we do. Uh, Bill, do you want to start in with that? All right. I'm not sure if we can hear Bill now. So, uh, yeah, we've talked about, uh, Bill, are you coming in? Oh, uh, Bill just dropped. Oh, he's back. Oh, did he? He's back. Maybe, maybe he's Bill. Not. He's connecting. No. Connecting. Okay. Well, I'll start out while he's connecting. Sure. Um, yeah. So we've talked about, uh, Bill did talk about uh, possibly hey. doing a more board conversion. Hey, there he is. He's back. Yes. Can you hear me? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can hear you now. Did you hear the question uh, about what other projects we have on the horizon? Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think there, might be just a, there may be a delay. 
Yeah. Well, no, he keeps going in and out from what I can see. Oh, okay. So you. I'll go ahead. Sorry, uh, Sorry. It's technology. Hey, there he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have All right. a spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's why I wanted to be able to answer this. Spreadsheet. Right? Oh. Okay. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I don't know if you can hear me, but I'll just talk. We can hear you. Go for it. Fine. Okay. So, yes, I have a spreadsheet of ideas that range from everything from from, uh, additional, okay, additional five room dungeons up to full blown campaigns. Um, We even have things like a card, uh, a deck of cards. Um, we have uh, a fairly unique idea for optimizing a dungeon. Uh, so we've got several ideas, and we're going to get together after this project's over and vote on them as a uh, group and decide which one to move forward with. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. Well, I got to say, um, everybody out there listening to this, uh, watching this, make sure you go and, and check out uh, Tomb of Immolation. And follow. Uh, am I am I pressing this right? Yugdu, Yugdu, Yugdu yep. Games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is their first one. They're already four times over, almost four times over what they what their goal was. Wow. And it sounds like they got some cool cool stuff on the horizon. Where can people find you to follow you to to see what's coming next? Uh, we, uh, yeah, just actually been working off of originally off of my, uh, Michael Harmon art, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but we are going to, uh, we're going to be basically on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at yogdugames.com. Okay. Well, we would definitely be, uh, or at Yogdu games. <laughs> Yogdu games. Yeah. Got to yeah. put the ad in there. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I know you got my money. And uh, I think John, I think you got John's money too. Uh, yes. Uh, shut up and take my money. That's I think what I was thinking. Yeah. Was right? I'm ready for it, man. Uh, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, uh, it's been really great chatting it. with y'all. Yeah, uh, maybe Absolutely. we'll get you on. Get you on again when uh, after this is over and see what we can talk about some more. Yeah, oh, that great. sounds great. Love yeah. to. Yeah. Sooner or later, you. Sooner or later, we will reveal to you what Yagdu really means. That will oh be boy. what we leave we'll, 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 we'll save that for a yeah. full-blown uh, episode. How's that? All right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. That's right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, you guys, uh, thanks for being on. Um, really love your product. Really looking forward to seeing it. And is that Yugdu right there? <laughs> could be. <laughs> it could be. Uh, one, of, one, of, one of Yugdu's minions that, yeah. uh, that gave him too right. much sass, maybe? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think this <laughs> might be one of the... Uh, one of the necromancer's followers that uh, didn't fare too well. <laughs> right on. All right, guys. <laughs> From hey, the uh, thank you. Thank you for being on, and we'll talk to you again soon. All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. So, now here you like swords and sandals. Conan-esque adventure with a pinch of John Carter and a dash of Thundar the Barbarian. Well, then you need to check out Knights of the House of Mars by Stephen Bateman. It is powered by its own system that was dialed in to give it that specific feel of old movie serials, where not only do you get to play as your character, but also as the NPCs during the other player's turns. So, strap on your sword, and uh, let's get to adventuring. 
Hello, everyone. We're back with another creator interview, this time with your hosts, Zach and John here in the blue hoodie. Hello. And very good. And we're here with uh, one of our illustrious creators. This is Stephen coming in with the upcoming Knights of the House of Mars project. Glad to have you aboard, Stephen. Hey, yeah, I'm real glad to be here. Thank you. So uh, I was telling you before we started, but um, you've been posting on like the different Facebook groups and stuff, little teaser images of your product, of your project. And it's got this, uh, is it fair to say like uh, almost psychedelic, like different combination of images and colors and stuff and um it looks completely unlike anything else we've seen this year uh on the zine quest front so i'm excited awesome. to chat with you yeah i mean first um all of the layout and art is uh done by uh my other team member contijo uh it's a brazilian layout uh design artist Okay. And obviously amazing at what, what he does. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we were going for this 70s psychedelic sword and sorcery, planetary, thunder of the barbarian type of, uh, you know, t type of feel with it. Yeah, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. What do you think, John? I was about to say it translates. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down with it, right? I was thinking like Barbarella and even like there's like a – there was like the, the 70s Flash Gordon kind of vibe mixed in there just a little bit on the back end maybe. But it's uh, it's definitely like that Thundar Bar the Barbarian feel right. to it, right? Like it, it like it's uh, – like a desert like the, the artwork and the story d deserves to be in like a like – a, it's like a, a, the prototypical fantasy fanzine, you know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's a great feel. Yeah, I love great. it. I love it. So, so Steven, let me ask you this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> oh, you're good. So, Stephen, one of the first questions that we ask uh, everybody that uh, hops on the interview, we kind of want to get a feel for you, uh, not just your project. And so the way we do that is we ask, uh, is this your first project that you've released or have you created other things elsewhere that people might know you from? Yeah, I've uh, created a few uh, projects in the in the past. This is uh, going to be my second Kickstarter. Okay. Um, but probably like I don't know. I kind of lost count between like tiny games I've I've uh, you know <laughs> released, and it's probably like my third or fourth like good size game uh, that, that, right. that I've done. Uh, that's awesome. So uh, Zach has been following this like to an obsessive compulsive degree. Whereas I am coming in a little bit late into it, and I've, I've picked up quite a bit, but I'm hoping that you'll kind of fill in some of the blanks for me. So for me and for everybody else out there that may be listening for the first time and kind of like give them kind of a, to whet their appetite for the, for the project. Can you tell us a little bit about it and kind of give us a pitch for it? Yeah, Knights of the House of Mars is a uh, role-playing game for two to four uh, people. It's GMless, um, and it's kind of... I don't want to call it a one-shot game, but it's kind of like a one-scenario uh, game. Mm -hmm. um, but each time you play, because uh, the people will be different and the scenario will be different, the uh, the, the results of, uh, of, of different things, uh, it will end up creating a, a dynamic, different um, scenario each time, basically. Um, but the, the whole thing is you all play these knights. You're the last ones uh, of the House of Mars. Uh, Mars is perished. 
Uh, it's nothing but like a red dune sea of dust dotted by ancient ruined pyramids. Uh, the world's ruled by evil sorcerers and um, your um, journeying east uh, to the Pyramid of Tharsis with the last seer um, and kind of figuring out along the way like what went wrong, why are we journeying east, uh, what, you know, like what happened to the world and what can we do if we want to save it. That's awesome. Yeah, I... I uh... I, that actually dovetails. That's perfect. When, as you're sitting there describing it, after looking at the artwork and what we were just talking about, I'm like, my God. It's like you you plucked out of someone's brain from the, the 60s and 70s that uh, I was thinking like Ice and Fire and, uh, and so, like some of those those old, like the Conan the Barbarian, the sword and sorcery era that, 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 that kind of like the uh, the renaissance of sword and sorcery i was thinking that specifically so i'm assuming i mean like it kind of goes without saying that was a was that effectively your inspiration for a lot of this um that that was uh and um uh, a bit of a, an inspiration yes i grew up on thunder of the barbarian and and you know the stuff like that um and the 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 feel was heavy on that. Uh, I was also inspired by some games my friends were playing at the time that I started congealing all of my ideas together. And they were playing um, games about knights in space that was very like science fantasy type of uh, type of thing, uh, very like astro astrology oriented and, and, and whatnot. And I just, yeah, just congealed it all together, basically. It's awesome. Very cool. So in that congealment, um, what is there a portion of this zine? Is there a portion of this journey that you love more than the others? A little nugget that you can't wait to to ex especially show off to to the readers of your of your zine. Um, I think I mean besides the amazing art and and layout um, that just combines this like outer space Mars with Arthurian nights uh, and just blows my mind every time I look at it. But um, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested and I like the way that the mechanics play into the storytelling. Um, I'm proud of my, <laughs> proud of myself uh, that, you know, there yeah. um, just the way that uh, I think that the Luna narrative uh, works. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how players interpret uh, their characters' uh, traits and, and whatnot through um, their, their uh, the game uses cards uh, instead of dice. So you build like a hand of cards based on your, your characteristics. Uh, and I'm just real interested to see, you know, how people take that and build narratives out of it. That's awesome. I like it. Uh, so on the kind of the inverse. So that's the things that you most like or that you're really enjoying to see as part of it. Is there something that uh, you initially had in there or, or, or had hoped to slide into this project that didn't quite make the cut for the finished work? Um, certainly being, uh, this is my first uh, game that I've used cards for and um it 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 took a while to get the, those mechanics straight I, I thought at first like you could just 
deal some cards out with everybody and, and play a game, but it was always like, how many cards are left in the deck and how many cards are we counting here and, and what's going on with this? And it, I really got in over my head with that. Um, but um, e even so far that I was like, just ditch that. We'll just do like this OSR, Morkborg type style, like outer space, like D D20 grim dark game and then i was like no well, let's let's uh rein it back in and we we finally got the mechanics to a, to, to a good spot that's great so let me ask you this did how did it how did the creative process how was it affected by kind of like the zine format right did, were there challenges or benefits to it that kind of helped you out with it at all uh that uh that you might want to be able to pass along oh yeah um the zine format does help because um, it's a you know you've only got a, a certain space to work with the the coolest thing is Knights of the House of Mars actually started as a 200 word RPG um, back in 2018 I did the 200 word RPG design challenge okay. and Knights of the House of Mars actually ended up being a finalist that year um, and then from there I was like what else can I do with it? You know, like what else <laughs> right. can we do? So it expanded a lot from there, but just from 200 words to, to where it is now, um, the, the, the zine, uh, allowed us, um, to, um, really play with the art and the style. Um, and it let me be constricted to design it in a, What's the word I'm looking for? I wanted to be very precise. Uh, couldn't couldn't fill just a bunch of words of fluff, uh, you know, in, mm -hmm. in in between here and there. Um, but I I I I think it's uh it's it's just right for a for a zine project. Awesome. Right on. Um, this new system, uh, this this journey that you're taking players on as part of this scenario, um. What sort of RPG itch would you tell someone that this is going to scratch? What sort of story is this telling? Yeah, certainly. Um, I wrote this for a specific group of friends or with a group of players in mind for people that like to get real, real zoomed in to uh, scenes when, when they're playing a game. If you think maybe uh, if you've played Fiasco... Or if you've played um, Fall of Magic, um, where you kind of, a lot of games, uh, specifically D&D or whatnot, are kind of like drawn back and you kind of, everything's kind of narrative or, or, or whatnot. But this is for people that really want to get into their character and really want to get into the minutia of the scene and the, mm. the role play and the conversation and the character development and the uh, asking themselves like why like why is my character here why is my character doing these things and wanting to you know figure that out uh, through play uh, as opposed to people that want to like throw plastic chunks at a table yeah, gotcha. <laughs> not, not that there's anything wrong with that but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Lord, well no. so that, I'm fascinated by the idea of the GMless DMless game right and what it's kind of immediately kind of comes to my mind is it makes me feel like 
this is something that might be really, really good for new players because, and it's maybe easier for them to pick up if for no other reason than one person doesn't have to take the bullet and run a game. They let right. the game run it for them. So you tell me, is this, is this going to be for the veterans or is, based on what you know of the, of the project, is this something that I can hand off to a buddy of mine and say, let's do this and not, you know, or him having them do it by themselves and they're, they're neophytes in, uh, in gaming. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope that it's something that you can just pick up, uh, you know, without 20 years of running D and D under your belt or, or something. Um, I, I really do hope so. Um, however, I feel like at the same time, it does ask that you, have a relationship with like playing a character and wanting to explore um okay. you know like in-depth like like characterness it also um is pretty free form um mm -hmm. and kind of puts you in a spot like hey it's your turn what are you doing your scene what's your goal this scene like and i i think if you're not used to being in that seat it can kind of put you on the spot and give you this analysis paralysis type of uh, mm. type of thing. It almost feels like um, like uh, it's great if you don't if none of you want to be the DM, but if you all want to kind of participate in role play and right. and right. kind of sit down and and have a a more thought intensive kind of. Uh, uh, a group experience and less of a, like you said, throw dice at the table. There's this aspect of, um, which I really like that we're all crafting something together right. and we're not using, you know, uh, uh, we're not seeing it as much as a game as more, as much as like an experience or mm -hmm. a, yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. I like it. I am not, super familiar um with uh gmless gaming rpgs so i am excited to grab your zine and have a look and maybe learn a new thing or two from the experience so. yeah awesome. especially as a career gm i want to see how this works i'm like the the john henry of dms i dare you to go up against me with your gmless game and tell me that it's any better than what i can do <laughs> I'm, I'm the exact same way i'm 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 a forever gm so no, forever yeah, man that. yeah that's awesome so okay well then this begs the question then right so uh after this with its success which i, I don't see how it wouldn't be it, it looks stellar i love the concept i mean god this is like it's it scratches my edge so um shut up and take my money uh it's the first thing uh so the the next question though is what's next do you have do you have something in the can now that's kind of you're spinning up and and uh, gonna start working on next or what yeah i've been working on something for a while now it's my fantasy heartbreaker is what i've been telling myself <laughs> it is because it's just it's that thing that I, I i really focus on for like six months just like tweaking like little knobs and and, and changing this little one thing that i <laughs> kind of put it aside for a couple of months and then I bring it back and I tweak a few things. But yeah, it's um, I'm working on something. I just call it red hack right now because, you know, we had a black hack and a white hack and a blue hack. And mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it, it was basically like my like 
how do I do an OSR dungeon crawl game? Um, so that that's that's what nice. I'm working on in the background. Basically. Will it be GMless? That's what I want to know. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank God. <laughs> Job security still secured. Right. Well, Stephen, really appreciate you coming on today. Um, Can you tell the fine folks who are listening live and who will be listening later on the podcast, um, what day are you hoping to launch uh, Knights of the House of Mars? Oh, yeah, we're uh, launching tomorrow morning. That's uh, February 9th. Nice. Um, So eight or nine o'clock central. Um, Perfect. So, yeah, we'll... And we'll be on for 14 days, so I think that goes through the 21st, 22nd. Right on. Okay, perfect. Well, um, Thomas has been dropping a link into our uh, live streams to so where people can go onto the project page that's there already and get notification on launch so they'll see it whenever it goes live, somewhere between uh, 8 and 9-ish in the morning. Yeah. Um, is there another... I'm finding, really quick, I am finding that this process of interviewing uh, zine creators is incredibly dangerous it's because incredibly I have expensive. not found one yet. <laughs> I'm like, at the beginning of Zine Quest, I'm like, all right, here's my budget. All right, wife, I love you. We're like, we're on the same page about this? Yes, fantastic, excellent. I'm going to have to go back downstairs and like, look, I've got to tweak the budget a little bit. Yeah. And I go downstairs and do it the same thing and over and over again. And it's just going to balloon out of control. But uh, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a good expenditure if you ask me. I love it. Go ahead, Zach. No, I was just going to say, uh, Stephen, is there any other place that uh, you would direct people who want to follow you or see what projects you might uh, have coming up in the future? Yeah, I'm uh, pretty active on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at wolfwizard underscore and wizards with a Y. Um, so yeah, just at wolfwizard underscore, I talk about games and game related stuff. And, uh, like you said, future projects, current projects, etc. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, good luck to you in the morning. Uh, we wish you the best. We'll be, uh, supporting you, uh, when it goes live, we'll be sharing mm-hmm. your links out. Um, Awesome. And I'm sure you're going to be successful, so I'm looking forward to uh, getting this project in my hand and seeing what comes down the road. You're here. Cool, cool. Thank you so much for uh, having me, everybody. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on, Stephen. You have a good evening. All right, thank you. You too. All right, bringing it home, we've got Park Ranger Joel Hines with Desert Moon of Karth for the Mothership Game Engine. Yes? He really is a park ranger. No, he doesn't know Yogi or Boo Boo. Sorry. So get ready to ride that space elevator down to Large Town in this galactic spaghetti western. Just make sure you watch out for the sand squid. Also, make sure you look into backing this one at the killer peach pie level. Yeah, it's a thing. Get to it. And we're back with our final... Last but not least, creator interview uh, for Zine Quest 3, at least for uh, today's iteration of Zine Quest 3. Um, this is going to be, I think, a, uh, uh, a great special interview. I'm excited to chat with another Mothership uh, creator. Uh, I'm your host, Zach, and I have my co-host, John, here in the uh, blue hoodie. And then we've got our creator, Joel, 
with Hi. his illustrious uh, Kickstarter called Desert Moon of Karth, who's along for the ride. Yeah. I'm really glad you can make it, Joel. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too. I'm glad to be here, for sure. So you launched Desert Moon of Karth uh, today, and we'll get to talk about it here in a minute. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, like I said earlier, it's a mothership uh, adventure product, or at least a mothership product. Uh, and you have just smashed your <laughs> your initial funding goal of $500. You're at a little over $7,700 in like, what, like 12 hours, Less, roughly? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It's actually, pretty exactly twelve hours. Yeah, dang. Well, congratulations. Uh, Thank that's you. That's definitely in order. That's amazing. And, it's been um, crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's great. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to see. Um, so we like to start off though our our interview here with not a question about the product, but a question about you want to kind of help mm -hmm. our listeners and our viewers get to know you a little bit more as a creator. Um, so tell us if you don't mind, is this the first thing that you've created and set loose in the world or are there other things out there that people might know you from? Yeah, this is actually the first uh, sort of RPG project that I've put out there. I've uh, done a lot of GMing in a variety of systems and, you know, made stuff for home games, but I've never made something, uh, for people to, you know, pay money for or anything. So this is, it's crazy. Uh, but I, I think it's been a lot of fun and a real learning experience. I've, I've been enjoying it a lot. Awesome. Very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, well, congratulations on success right out the gate. Okay. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, for me, mm -hmm. uh, you had me whenever with the video. And I'll tell you exactly how much of the video I watched before I was like, oh, my oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to hear this. This is, this is really cool. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, so. Yeah, you got, so yeah. I got, uh, within the first five seconds, I'm like hearing the sound of the VHS cassette tape, like mm -hmm. go into the deck and get consumed or like taken in and like yeah. the blur, like the, that, the, uh, the quintessential blue screen VHS. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my God, like I had a nostalgia stroke as soon as I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what i'm about <laughs> and so i was i was enthralled after that so it's like i was already in it was like okay now i really need to mm -hmm. need to i need to uh to digest as much as i could it's really really good i like what you've uh, what you've got out there but i think it's probably mm -hmm. not as good as if uh not as good if uh zach and i try to describe what the product oh, is sure, or what the sure. project is for those mm -hmm. that are listening and viewing at home tell us a little bit about what is the product uh and yeah. kind of give it like an elevator pitch for it Absolutely. So uh, Desert Moon of Karth is a space western sandbox module. Basically, uh, it's got a point crawl on a uh, tiny desert moon, about maybe 160 miles in circumference. Uh, to get there, uh, the party needs to travel down an ancient uh, space elevator. And the place uh, really, uh, I I've drawn sort of heavenly, uh, heavily from spaghetti westerns, but also Firefly, Alien, uh, John Carter of Mars type stuff a little bit. And uh, I've really uh, sort of it's it's a an environment that is poised for adventure, destruction, and chaos, uh, and it just needs sort of a, a spark, uh, which is the the party. And it's not so much uh, there's no one way to do it. It's it's more a series of situations uh, that can uh, be impacted by the players. And I, I think uh, that's the type of game I, I enjoy to run. So I hope other people uh, dig that as well. Oh, and there's Sand Squid. That's key, and a lot of faction play, <laughs> but can't forget the sand squid. That's awesome. Yeah, the the mm -hmm. inspiration of it, right? You can tell that there's mm -hmm. a lot of oh yeah, Dune for the, sure. 
Well, you've got the, there's the, you've polished it with love, man. You can, you can tell it's something that you're passionate about, that you really, that comes from something that uh, harkens back to kind of a, uh, a different era in creative, creative, um, like, uh, exploration for a lot of the, a lot of creators. And I think you probably had Zach at alien because I think he's our, our resident alien OCD yeah, I was I was member. hearing in the last thing you even like a resurrection. You know, I like Alien Three, and people think that's crazy. But resurrection, you're both yeah. crazy. Jeez. You're both crazy. You're, I'm, you're, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you fitted for that's for uh, for uh, straight jackets. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> we can hash like, it out later. Yeah, there's definitely like uh, okay, we're going down a going down an alien rabbit hole for just a minute. Sure, sure. Here I'm gonna we agree go. with you that there is mm-hmm. definitely like a a a switch that gets flipped from alien three to resurrection, right? Mm -hmm. Alien three is like still clinging to really cool mythos building and like interesting storytelling. And, Mm -hmm. and everything after that is just self-indulgent at least for a while and doesn't really care to do much. So I'll I'll give you that. There's definitely like, (laughs) no, I'm I'm not going to argue. Like I I know we're on a tangent here, but I'm not going to say alien three is better than anything before it. Nobody could make that argument. But I, I think it, it has it has glimmers glimmers of what came before that make me yeah. enjoy the movie is my take. Yeah. I think but, I'm outnumbered, yeah. so I'm just gonna be quiet. I think that's yeah, the that's smartest right. thing for yeah, me. Yeah, we're, we're on either side of you on the screen. <laughs> just go sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, uh, these influences like I, I like to draw from a wide variety of things, and um, basically uh, I, I started about a year ago, uh, and I just um, I was actually running a Stars Without num- Numbers campaign. Uh, and that was uh, sort of my introduction into sandbox sci-fi uh, gaming. And I was playing, well, we can get into sort of more of the story down the line. But yeah, it, it just sort of steamrolled from there. And I kept on adding different things I was interested in and putting it in one little moon. That's Interesting. Great. <laughs> so so what is your favorite little thing in this? Scene? Mm, like little, like little thing, Give, specifically or, like, yeah. It can be anything from like, if you, if, if you just like 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 a creature or you like a little mm. a piece of art or you like a uh, like an item table or something like that just something that you mm. a, a kind specific, of tickled by yeah let's see i i really enjoy i'll i'll, uh, I'll give you two things uh the first is uh i i really dig the the whole sand squid bit i i really uh it, as it's sort of a desert place right dune was a heavy inspiration however mm-hmm. uh you, I, I didn't want to just do like a Dune pastiche, right? Where, where it's just like a Dune with like, like Boone or something, you know? Uh, I, 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 but I did like this idea of like a just having a, a deadly alien predator that is sort of the the the, the alpha uh, thing on the planet that everyone's sort of concerned about, like a force of nature that sort of shapes uh, culture as well. And uh, I definitely use that. And I, uh, I think squid and like krakens are pretty cool. And so I threw some tentacles on there and, you know, called it a day, a little like a lamprey type mouth and you're good to go. Awesome. The other yeah, bit, a... uh, real quick. Oh yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, oh, there's sure. a cool art piece of it uh, in your, mm-hmm. in your Kickstarter. So people can mm-hmm. see. Yeah. And uh, Logan, uh, he goes by a uh, little tacky on, on Instagram is, is phenomenal. Really. Uh, I captured that like Mobius type of art style I, I was <laughs> going for. And he's great. Love working with him. But uh, the other bit, I, I've got a table, uh, like 1D10, like, uh, why why am I here, basically? Like, a sort of uh, anything ranging from, like, your, your franchise scouts for a soy patty uh, franchise on the edge of the universe trying to find a, a way to set up, or 
you got a post a fizzy postcard from uh, someone you hadn't seen in a while. It's smelling like uh, her perfume of lilacs, and you're there, or you're just on the run trying to start a, a new at the borderlands of the galaxy. And all of these, like, there's ten of them basically, or twelve. I need to get rid of two that uh, really could shape an entirely different campaign if you if you wanted to go from this sort of premise, right? And I, I like uh, making a, a tool set, right? That people like a, a sort of toolbox as opposed to a, a a a Disney ride, right? Like you can build your own in whichever way you want. And I I've, I've been enjoying that. And there's some weird shit on there or stuff. I... <laughs> So the kind of the, the inverse of that question is, is there something that you mm -hmm. loved that didn't quite get to make it into the product that like you had to mm -hmm. table for something later or whatnot uh, that you would want to mm -hmm. share here? Yeah, so it originally, I envisioned this uh, originally, my some of my big inspiration uh, was uh, Hot Springs Island, which is a, a wonderful sort of a modern hex crawl. And uh, it's, it's 24 hexes. And if uh, you've seen hex crawls, some of them can be really big. But you run into, uh, with, with these sort of large hex crawls where you're populating these individual sort of hexes with, with stuff, is that uh, if you make them really big, you can choose between uh, a whole lot of work, a whole lot of work, or uh, sort of minimal work and just having like a line. And each place doesn't have that much character. And uh, I was going to make a 300-page book for my first project ever. That was my plan. And then it turns out that's a little that's a little out there. Uh, it's very expensive. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and it kept on getting trimmed down. Till eventually, I realized this, the zines are just fabulous, and then the the constraints of the uh, the medium, right? It's I I can really only do fifty two pages. That's a, about as much as I can do with the staples and everything. So I need to cut everything down, but uh, it really was uh, made it a lot better because I had to trim the bloat and make more deliberate decisions. So that's sort of a a, a lot of like a. Uh, content got left on the, the table. Also, that's why the moon is tiny. Uh, I wanted to make a region, right, that was um, not just uh, uh, bounded by invisible walls, but you can actually walk around the entire place, like circumnavigate mm -hmm. the entire globe, uh, and it's just really small. It's, it's very dense, so that's just how it is. Why is it that way? Well, we'll see. Maybe I'll explain that. Maybe it's, that's just <laughs> how it is. But yeah, that sort of was what was left on the cutting floor. So you took like you took a three hundred pager and you condensed mm -hmm. it down to fifty two. <clears throat> mm -hmm. There was a lot more that you probably ended up having to, to shave off of it. Um, well, to be oh yeah, go for it. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. To be fair, I I never wrote three hundred pages. I I envisioned a, ah, an gotcha. epic an epic of three hundred pages that right. you know would be bound in leather and stuff. And then it turns out. <laughs> You know, you have your, you your arms crossed over it. It's beneath your arms, and you're buried with it. It's yeah. your magnum opus, right? Yeah, that'll be like the fifth project. We'll see. I gotta, you know, work <laughs> you gotta... on some other stuff first. Well, Zach, he's already answered the "What are you doing?" and that's coming up later on in the interview. Uh, the, <laughs> from the challenges of the medium itself, when it comes to art, mm -hmm. size of the of the the la the layout, or what was there that mm -hmm. was the most difficult part of this whole process in regards to like uh, tr doing the zine quest stuff. The most, I think the most difficult part was understanding the how to do it, like how to, how it is that you write an adventure module. And um, because I, going in, I think um, I, I just was informed based on what other people have done. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I really had to find my own path uh, from that uh, to sort of fit the constraints of what I wanted to do creat creatively and what I was capable of doing and had the budget to do. And um, 
I, I think uh, what I came away with it, there's uh, some some really good advice from uh, the Coin, Coins and Scrolls uh, blog. Uh, basically, uh, he, he's someone who sort of sees uh, modules as a, a sort of toolkit, as a almost a, a technical document for creativity. And uh, mm -hmm. really, once I once I got like that, I was just sort of I was trying to impart nuggets of information to get to the GM who in part was trying to do that. Uh, it really made everything a lot easier because. I didn't have to, I was going in visualizing sort of writing a book, right? Like a, almost a Wizards of the Coast style, you know, write paragraphs and paragraphs adventure. You know, uh, it would be nice to write a book, but it's a whole lot of, of work uh, in, in one way. And this, uh, there's a sort of minimalism that's nice. Like, I only need to get across a concept. I don't need to be concerned with writing a whole multi-page uh, story about this concept. And that was very freeing. And... Um, I, I, I've sort of lost the train uh, a little bit, but yeah, that's uh, sort of where it's coming from. Well, I can see it though, right? That mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm an advocate of that that philosophy of mm -hmm. game design as well, or at least adventure design. Is mm -hmm. I don't need to fill in every single gap for mm -hmm. for the DM to to utilize. Otherwise, they may as well read a story out loud. It may mm -hmm. as well just be one giant block text, right? Give them give them bullet points. Give them enough to riff off of. Mm -hmm. They're gonna, have, you know, they're gonna have to pivot anyway, based on what the players end up doing. So give mm -hmm. them some alternate things that may end up coming up, maybe, or something like that. So I like the idea yeah. of the the tool chest as opposed to the, uh, you know, like the the Beowulfian ode that's like yeah. five hundred pages. It's, it's not of... like a, a curated experience. It's it's more yeah, of exactly. a, like a a bucket of of stuff that you can gather and add some suggestions for me. Maybe uh, how you could put it together, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we kind of talked about how this project kind of separates itself from other projects in using the mothership system and in the mothership mm. uh, persona. This has that Western player, yeah. and it has a little bit different inspirations because of the desert setting, which I really like mm -hmm. because it. It, you can see where maybe this is in the same general universe, but it it, it has and 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 how the the feel of it from like mm -hmm. a that sci-fi pulp or and and the horrific aspect can still be there. But now with mm -hmm. this uh, kind of like um, slower, um, like that at least that's the way I interpret like the Western aesthetic, like this mm -hmm. more like plotting uh, personality to it. Um, mm -hmm. So I really like that. Um, my question would be, is this something that um, people who have never played Mothership before can come in and this can be a great introduction to that system? Or would you recommend that this is actually a better suit for folks who have been in Mothership for a while and want a new place to explore? Yeah, I think it, it could be uh, really viable for both uh, parties. I, I think, um, as, as you, you really pointed out, it's, it's sort of very different vibe from a lot of the sort of previous Mothership content. Uh, in that it's it has horror, but it is not purely a horror experience. And I think uh, the value in that is uh, in campaign long form campaign play, because if you if you were to play a mothership campaign long form, right, and then you've got a lot of excellent content, very good adventures and uh, sort of uh, sandboxes and uh, modules to pick from to build a cool campaign. But I think you'll run into an issue in pacing if you look at what's out there. Mm. You're gonna have your party go from uh, being having their their insides exploded to being chased by uh, undead zombies to uh, the 
the universe itself it, it's it's just a constant like uh, if you're if you're always going for horror right in, in the long form you've got to have these these lulls and i'm sort of i uh, providing something that's not mundane i think but a bit more on the the dangerous uh, risky adventure side to uh with some horror uh creeping in at the fringes if you you go in the wrong places as opposed to a uh, sort of a uh, sort of high octane uh sort of thrill ride all the way through and I, I think Excellent. it's valuable to have that variety. Oh, and you had that other question about it as an introduction. And um, mm-hmm. I think potentially, um, if uh, folks uh, like Mothership, they, they enjoy the simplicity of the system, they like the sort of uh, blue-collar sci-fi aesthetic there, but maybe the sort of heavy horror elements uh, aren't for everyone. I know I love them, but they're not for absolutely everybody. And I think potentially this could be sort of a, a gateway drug uh, to get into the system uh, for some folks who uh, maybe different parts of Mothership appeal to than some of the other parts that it, it really excels at. Right on. Would you recommend, mm-hmm. um, we, we had another uh, Mothership creator on earlier, and mm-hmm. he recommended, and I thought this was, this was helpful uh, advice for someone who's maybe looking at backing. He kind of recommended that you go ahead and pick up the, at least the digital format of the mothership base rules, uh, that you can get for like pay what you want on drive through and different mm-hmm. things. It, do you think that that's kind of necessary for yours as well to go ahead and pick up the, the core experience to yeah. kind of complement yours? Okay. I, I would say absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have the space or the inclination to reprint the, the rules there. And yeah, as, as they noted, it's uh, definitely something that uh, plays well with a system uh, outside of it. Uh, with that said, um, I also believe uh, just like um, originally, like I, I played some Mothership first party ones like Dead Planet and I uh, got some stuff from Town to Flesh. And I didn't actually play that in Mothership originally. I used it for Stars Without Number and it worked flawlessly uh, transitioned onto another system. So I'd say folks um, uh, can uh, use Mothership as a sort of system basis or if they have a different sci-fi setting, uh, sort of generally similar, I think it, this would work very well with just some st- statistic surgery. But Mothership is uh, what it is intended for, yeah, as the, the basic uh, sort of, uh, yeah, core. That's awesome. Or it's obvious that you've, it. you've yeah. and it's obvious that you've kind of like, you've, you've resonated, right, with, mm-hmm. with the audience. They're excited about what you've got. So do you already have something kind of like wing in the wing that you're next or what's the, what's the next big project? Yeah. All right. So I can, yeah, I can, I can let y'all know. Uh, uh, so I'd say my next thing that I'm excited about would be sort of in this vein. So depending on this, how this, if a film and nightmare, nightmare, right, there's, I don't know, all my packages get lost in the ocean. I'm probably not going to do another one, but as of right now, it's looking pretty good. And so the next thing I'd do, I'd want to sort of expand upon sort of in this series. So uh, on the the world of Karth, uh, the the colonial Lars town, right? They're they're all from this water planet. A lot of the prospectors and the the marines down there, and um, this this water planet, it's not it's just sort of mentioned, sort of offhand. There's little cultural tidbits, right? And I would love to do like a, a sort of sequel, sort of where it's connected but sort of could be independent. Called I don't know a Tide World of Mani or something where it's uh, this looking at a sort of a entirely different setting that has some uh, in-fiction ties to this and sort of and what's more different than desert to ocean world. So I think that would be really cool. And, you know, maybe have some crazy tide activity, all sorts of weird mothership, weird culture stuff, strange factions. That's all I've got right now. And I'd, I'd love to do that in a sort of similar zine format, 52 pages, 
similar sort of art style. Hopefully work with Logan again because I love uh, love his uh, sort of cover style. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's yeah. Sort of whenever whenever that when that comes around, let us know because mm-hmm. just just from yeah. the I know that you're just spitballing. You're like just yeah. thinking out loud, but I'm like mm-hmm. I need to buy that product too. And like, I'm like, where <laughs> yeah, the hell is my it, wallet? It's more likely to happen now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I love that. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, Joel, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I have two final questions for you. The first yep. one is, what's the best place for people to find you online? Sure. So, best place uh, right now is the Kickstarter page. I, I don't have much of a, a blog. I, I started one. I never posted anything on it. So, I got to get that going. The other place is uh, I, I do have a, an Instagram, which uh, I think I, I shot the link over uh, to you there. Uh, the real Heinz fifty-seven. If I'm remembering it right. I haven't uh, been using my Instagram for a while. I'm generally more of a Facebook person, but that that most of my friends aren't really into RPGs. It's more of the sort of you know different sort of social spheres. So I'm trying to sort of lump them together a little bit more. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Perfect. Well, uh, the last question that I have uh, comes from comes from the uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> comes from the Peanut Gallery. Um, sure. Troy. Oh, yeah. Troy saw. Yeah. Troy saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I see it now on your on your page and your profile there on Kickstarter mm-hmm. that you make a mean peach pie, and he was is, wondering like true. at what what reward tier does he need to pledge at Ooh. in order to get a mean peach pie? <laughs> what a wise you ass. know I, I like that, some peach that pie. would have been that would have been a really cool <laughs> sort of like a elite tier like a mega backer thing like. I don't know. I mean, I bet like for five hundred bucks, like for I is that's probably overpriced, but. You know, that's what those things yeah, are for. A, that is one hell of a pie Actually, right there. Let me, let me not undersell my pie. Maybe it's just right. A custom pie right. sent in a refrigerated box to your doorstep. Yeah, 500 bucks. Where is John Travolta right now? Where he's like, like, it's a pretty damn good pie. I don't know if it's yeah. worth 500 bucks, but it's a damn good pie. <laughs> that could be. Yeah, it's more of the, of the, for the clout to have paid $500 for, for my pie, I think. Oh, there you go. That you'd be doing that. It's an exclusive thing. <laughs> well thank you so much joel this mm-hmm. was a perfect uh interview to end on you've been a blast to hang out with right uh, i i really hope that we get to chat some more in the future i i <laughs> wish you all the best uh with your with your uh fulfillment of desert moon mm-hmm. of karth i'd recommend anybody uh that has not yet backed it to go over that way you have 14 more days uh it ends on the 23rd <laughs> of february uh in the morning so i'd recommend you get on that and uh let's make it happen let's let's put this over the the uh, five digit mark and and uh end it with a bang so yeah absolutely thanks for having me i appreciate it it's been a lot of fun thanks a lot all right well hey uh we'll let you go now uh joel but thanks a lot for those of you who that are still watching live uh we're gonna be back with one more little uh bonus close out and uh we'll be back in about 10 minutes we'll see everybody all right bye guys all right and that closes out our very first feast of zines for zine quest 3. i'm pretty confident that we at the bsg did not learn our lesson and I'm sure we will be doing a stunt like this again, probably very soon. And who knows, maybe next time we'll even be a bit more gung-ho and interview even more creators. But until then, go back some zines.